listening to the Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg and Joe Serrar, and this is Mo Pinnell, president of Mo Rich Enterprises. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know, from the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. We're at Bowl Expo right now. Tim Berg here talking to one of the truly legends of bowling in our sport right now, Walter Ray Williams Jr. Walter, Joe Serrar and myself started a website, Above180.com. Our focus is to help bowlers reach that next level. You go around, you do clinics, you see people bowling. What is the one thing you feel holds bowlers back, the amateur, from taking the bowling game to the next level? Well, the one thing that surprised me is how many have uh, improper timing. Basically, they have a variation of a three-step delivery where most of the pros are pretty much a variation of a four-step delivery. In other words, in a four-step delivery, um, even though I take five steps, it's a variation of the four-step delivery. My first step, the ball doesn't move. I take my first step with my left foot, my ball doesn't move. But in my second step, the ball moves down towards my knee on my, fir- on my second step. So that would be the first step of a four-step delivery. So basically getting that ball moving on that first you know, step with the right, whatever hand you are with that leg. So... Um, and then the second step, the, the next step, the ball should be just past your leg. And then the next step, the ball would be at the top of the backswing. And then the last step would be the pull through, um, you know, delivering the ball. So what is the one thing that the average bowler or the bowler looking to improve them game? How can they improve on their timing and just uh, get that get that all in, in the same same motion and, and the fluid timing down? Well, worked, I've worked with the USBC a couple times. Um, and a couple exercises they do is a one-step delivery, which basically kind of emphasizes swinging the ball. Basically, stand about three or four feet from the foul line and just throw throw the ball with one step. But basically, the idea isn't necessarily to throw the ball hard with one step, but to swing the ball and get the feel for the swing of the ball and the weight of the ball and let it swing as opposed to pulling and pushing the ball, which is one a lot of amateurs do, especially the men, um, because they're trying to get speed on the ball. And if they let the ball swing, they can actually get the ball to have a little better, a little more speed without as much effort and be more in balance. Walter, recently the uh, PBA uh, released their schedule. They have uh, kind of doing it similar as to last year with the, the World Series of Bowling. This year they've added, though, where they're doing some extra frame-only events. Just want to see where how you feel about some of that issues going on and actually just even uh, your thoughts on the overall schedule of how things are going to lay out this year. Well, I haven't had a chance to really look at the schedule that much, but it does look very similar to last year. Um, You know, kind of disappointing that we're not going to have more tournaments, but I kind of figured that was going to happen. Without sponsors, it's not, it doesn't make sense to have more tournaments because if they do, they're they're not going to pay very much money. Um, You've got to have sponsors to to build up the prize funds, otherwise the players are basically bowling for their own money. Um, The one thing that bothers me the most is that the... uh, um, the schedules, or not, not the formats of the tournaments, are a lot of uh, elimination formats. And I was kind of disappointed in that. I'd much rather see uh, 
a total pin type tournaments, kind of like what they do in the U.S. Open um, tournament champions, where they do round robin match play, and you get bonus pins for winning your matches. And the pins are keep carrying over; they don't they don't keep dropping the pins every round that you bowl. And I, I just think that that introduces an element of luck in the tournaments. And unfortunately, there's already enough luck in bowling. I don't think we need to add any more to it. Any any thoughts? Just a quick follow up on that. Any thoughts as far as the tournaments being held? Really, you qualify in the morning. You have your your squads in the morning, and then everything is held in one day. So really, if you're having if if you're on, you could really do well. And, and conversely, if if you're struggling a little bit, it could be one of those things where it's a feast or famine for a lot of guys out there. Well, I I think that's the case anyway. I mean, if you're on, you're on. But uh, you you definitely have to pay attention more. You know because. For one thing, there are less events, and so you really have to make what's out there count. And sometimes that doesn't make it any easier because that puts more pressure on yourself. I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of like the ladies. They only have a couple tournaments to bowl, so there's a lot of pressure for them to to do well in those couple events. And so it's kind of that type of a thinking as opposed to when you had 30-something tournaments in the schedule when you only have 15 or something like that. It's like, well, now you gotta you got to really pay attention, especially when it's a one-day event. You know, you... It's like, well, okay, if you bowled bad one day, maybe you can come back the second day. Well, here it's like it's going to be over almost before it starts. So you got to really pay attention. And, Walter, as we go to, like, we're talking with the format changes and the PBA is even kind of evolving where a guy like a Tom Hess, who still has a full-time job and comes out is able to have a great employer that lets him take some time off to bowl, as opposed to the guys, yourself, Pete Weber, uh, some of the bowlers of, of your stature, of, of your you know, in, in your age group, I guess you could say, who could bowl full time. You guys could go out on tour, you'd bowl, and that would be a lot of times your full time career, so to speak. And it's changing. Do you do you feel that the bowlers coming, the the, the Sean Rashes, the uh, Jason Bomani's, the younger players, are they going to be be bowling and then having uh, really another full time job to supplement their income? Well, I, I think it depends on you know if if. Right now, the ideal situation is for a player to have a, a nice job at home, whether they're working in a, their own pro shop or bowling center or whatever it happens to be, and they're allowed to have 10 or 12 weeks off a year where they can actually go bowl tournaments. The, that's not a very easy thing to do because most players, most employers don't want to let you have more than two or three weeks off a year. So that's obviously not a, a very easy thing to do, but if you happen to have your own business or something, maybe you can do that. Um, but it's tough for a young man, you know, starting out to have his own business like that. Um, but if somebody had that situation, that would be perfect and ideal. That they, you know, they could supplement their income by bowling on tour. Um, you know, when I first came out on tour, it was 35 weeks a year, and it was, you know, it was pretty much a full-time job. And I didn't really think about, you know, having the time off and what I would do on the time off. Did a few exhibitions here and there, but uh, for the most part, it wasn't. You know, it's like, well, now I'm thinking, gee, I got all these months off, and even though I'm bowling senior tournaments, I still have plenty of time off, not to mention, you know, the money's not quite as good as it was a few years ago, and I didn't bowl very well this last season, so I'm looking away, looking for a few uh, extra ways to, to do to make money, so I've been giving lessons, and I try to do uh, exhibitions and clinics when I can, and, um, you know, that kind of helps supplement my income from being on tour, but... Uh, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a different situation than it used to be, which um, I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm not 
I think the perfect scenario would be they had 52 tournaments a year and you pick and chose the ones that you want, but uh, um, that's not the case and um, probably never will be, but uh, you know, the, the guys that are talented, you know, they'll be able to make some money, but uh, it's like it's going to be a little tougher for the guys to make a living bowling on tour. Walter, you, you mentioned the senior tour. Talk about some of the fun that you're having out there bowling, those senior events and just getting getting out and going to places that the fans that get to see you and just having fun out there. I mean, we're bowlers, so we love to bowl. It doesn't matter if it's it's a senior event, if it's a PBA regional event, if it's something where we can put our shoes on and bowl. But talk about how the senior events have been going for you and just some of the uh, successes you've been having on those. Well, the, uh, the senior players, they're good. But uh, the guys on tour are much better, and so now the competition levels, you know, a little bit easier to handle. But there are still some good players out there, and they they use a lot of elimination matches. So it's not, you know, I can't run away with the tournament. You know, just have to bowl one tournament, one game for the title. Um, most of the tournaments, you still got to win four matches after qualifying to win the tournament. It's not an easy thing to do, but. Uh, um, I've been bowling very well. I worked after I struggled so much on the winter tour. I worked on my game a little bit, worked, fixed some things that I was uh, got out of line for myself. And I've been bowling great ever since in April, since April. Uh, I bowled six senior events. I think I had the high average in five of them, and the other one I was like second or third high average. And then uh, I went down to Mexico for the Pabcon tournament and bowled very well down there and uh, uh, managed to be on the winning. Um, team a couple of times uh, the gold team and uh, it uh, it definitely put a lot more confidence in my ma in my game and looking forward to bowling with the kids in November but uh, there, there's a huge difference between the way the seniors play the lanes and the way the uh, national tour players play the lanes the, the, the kids they hook the ball so much more and break the lanes down so much more left than the seniors do um, which makes it a little bit more difficult more of a challenge for me um, being a, a straighter player compared to them. Compared to the seniors, I'm like a medium hook player and, and I can hook the ball if I really want to. Um, now as far as how much fun the guys have, the guys on the senior tour realize that since we don't bowl for an excessive amount of money, they're not trying to make a living. They, now guys obviously would like to make money and you know add to whatever they have or whatever, but um, they're not out there to make a living. The guys on the national tour, they're out there trying to make a living. So there's a little more pressure involved in that situation. The guys get a little more intense on the national tour. The guys on the senior tour, they've had over the years they've learned to mellow. And even though they, we still have tempers and stuff, we, you know, we have a little bit more respect for that and the other players out there. And and it definitely more the guys are having fun on the senior tour as opposed to the national tour. But don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they still enjoy the competition. They still have a lot of fire out there, and they all want to win, and they all want to beat me, and I'm trying to beat them. And <laughs> so it's it's good competition. It's probably just a little less little less of a stress level in that respect. So Walter, talk about you said you had some struggles this year out on the uh, Lumber Liquidators Tour. How does a guy who's won as many times as you? Come back, like you said, and work on things because most people would kill to have your game, have your accuracy, have everything. But like you said, there were a couple things you worked on, and everyone goes through peaks and valleys in bowling, no matter what skill level you're at. But how? I mean, did you seek some coaching? Did you seek someone to help another set of eyes to look over what what you maybe were missing? And how did you work yourself through that? And then, like you said, you had some success in bowling, and your confidence is back up where it needs to be. Right. 
Um, well, after the uh, qualifying rounds at the uh, ABC Masters where I was defending champion and I automatically got seated in the top 64, which is a good thing because <laughs> I bowled so bad in the qualifying rounds, I was seated 64th. And I went out and I uh, worked with Mike Jazz now for, for a little over an hour and worked on some things, worked on my timing, and um, it started to feel really good. Bowled pretty well in the match. I actually bowled against Bill O'Neill, and unfortunately for him, I, I bowled well against him and beat him. Um, my next match, I bowled against Tom Hess, and he bowled 777 against me. And um, and then my next match, my, my opponent shot 700 against me. So I had you know, three three guys in a row shoot 700 against me. Unfortunately, I beat one of them. <laughs> but uh, um, I was I was happy about the way that I was bowling. Unfortunately, I, I needed to take a little bit more time to work on it and and really work on a couple other things besides just my timing and when I was uh, at the uh, USBC uh, uh, Team USA uh, training camp in March I worked with uh, Rod Ross who's a head coach and worked on some of the similar things and a little bit more and um, it at the end of that uh, session there I, I felt a lot better and and now I actually started posting at the line which is something I've never really done and after a few weeks of doing that, I finally started to get more comfortable with it. I still, even when I was in tournaments, my practice sessions, I was reverting back to my old style. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I got to do this, and started getting my my game, you know, my game plan in place, and started executing the way I needed to. And it now it's almost a second nature, you know. And that's still two two and a half months away that I've been doing this. So, um, but I I feel so much better about my game and. Um, just looking forward to bowling the senior tournaments and also bowling national tournaments. So, Walter, you bring up Mike Jazz now at Lane 81. Uh, I had a lesson with Mike when I was up for my USBC Open uh, experience, and Mike does a great job. So just um, for our listeners who next year or want to go out to Reno and see Mike, just expand a little bit more on what Mike can do and how Mike helped you. And, and I'm just going to say out of experience, if, if a, a guy like Walter A. Williams is going by, by Mike Jazz now for less than that, anyone who's listening really needs to also go out there and see him. So, uh, Walter, just, again, a little bit talk about Mike and some of the stuff that he can help you with and uh, some of the uh, techniques he has that you really find uh, as a help. Well, I mean, Mike's uh, been around the game for a long time. I mean, he bowled on tour back in the 80s uh, and early 90s, and he, he's, he's got a great knowledge of the game, and he's got the computer uh, to help him, the video cameras and stuff to help him with what he's looking at. Um, I give lessons now, and I'm, I, uh, I don't quite do that yet. I, I, I look at the video a little bit, but I... I need to expand on that a little bit, um, but uh, besides that, I mean, Mike Jasno, Mark Baker, and there's, there's 150 coaches out there that can help you with that. And, I mean, even the local coaches, they can help you a little bit um, if you want to see, you know, the more experienced ones like Rod Ross and Mike and Mark and, I, and you know, like I said, another 100 guys that are very good coaches. And it's just a matter of, you know, them having the knowledge and, you know, the good eye that they can see that little things that you do that might not be the right thing to, to do it. There is there is no perfect way to throw a bowling ball, but there are some ways that are better than others. And if you're doing some things that are way off kilter, it's going to make it tough to repeat shots, which is basically what you're trying to do is repeat shots. And, you know, if you can throw the ball between your legs every single time and throw it great, more power to you. I mean, most people didn't think you could throw the ball with two hands and be as, as accurate as Jason Bamani is, but he's proven that you can definitely do that have power and accuracy and, and you know that's the kind of thing that the players need to be able to do but 
but you just can't go out there and start throwing a ball two-handed because it gives you power because you're going to lose you're not going to have accuracy and without the accuracy the power doesn't mean anything Walter, you bring up the last question I want to ask you. Uh, last week we spoke to Jason Belmonte about the bottle incident uh, again. <laughs> and uh, I just want to get your opinion on this because you're an old school guy. And we've talked to people since we've been out here who remember bowling. And we're going to talk to Sean as well. Um, but we talked to people who just grew up bowling. And their thought was, number one, their thought was when your opponent is up, you're a statue. You're not trying to do anything. That seems to have changed now. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on some of the things that have has transgressed and, and just your thoughts overall on the whole situation. And and actually, Sean believes it's it's helping bring some notoriety a little bit to bowling because it's a sport that needs it. And just want to get some of your thoughts on that and reaction. Well, I, I, I don't know all the details that's going on with it. I know that it's happened a couple of times and... You know, but for one thing, it sh it shouldn't happen. It's you know, there's no reason why you should want to try to distract your opponent. That just to me is it's bad sportsmanship. If he's doing it accidentally, that's not good. If he's doing it on purpose, that's even worse. So <laughs> either way, it's not good. And you know, I've I've even done stuff like that over the years. You don't realize you're doing something that you know might have been a nervous habit that he was doing. I don't know, but. Um, it's, you know, when, it, when a player's bowling, especially on TV, when it's so quiet and it, you can hear everything, anything like that is not a good thing. But, you know, when you're bowling the normal qualifying and tournament, you know, guys are talking, this and that. And for the most part, it's not a bad thing because it's not so blatant and you can't hear it so bad. But if all of a sudden everything's dead quiet and you hear somebody talk and a cell phone goes off, whatever it happens to be, those things are distracting. And... If it happens enough, especially if it happens by an opponent, you know, who's sitting, you know, 10 feet behind you, that's maybe not so good. And as far as, you know, the, that we need that kind of publicity, I don't know. I, I, it, I think there's got to be a better way to get publicity than have, quote, bad things happen. Walter Ray, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been Tim Berg for the Above180.com podcast.